Hey, what's up, guys? This is Taya Valkyrie, La Huera Loca, one-third of the Death Dolls and your Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champion. And this is Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. Well, we are live, pals. Welcome to the Bill After Sealed of Approved Counted Out with Mike and Tyler. While I am Mike, we have a very special guest playing the role of Tyler today. We are abandoning the list. We are abandoning our regular format to give this man and his storied career the attention he deserves. You can catch him in action on May 12th in the first round of the 30th Best of the Super Juniors Tournament as he takes on Titan. Please welcome the youngest man to ever compete in new in a new Japan ring, Mr. TJ Perkins. TJ, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're we're excited to have you. And let's start right away. Let's start right there with what I just said about uh, about the Super Juniors. You have a lot of uh, a lot of history in New Japan. Uh, how does it feel to be part of the 30th tournament? Uh, I mean, it's it's awesome. This is always the uh, you know this company is. Uh, you know, the first big team I ever played for, um, I started with them, God, what was it 21 years ago, uh, yeah. back in 2002. And, um, you know, they kind of plucked me right out of high school. I'd only been a professional wrestler for, I don't know, three, four years at the time. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the, it was always the company I wanted to, to be with. And, um, you know, the, the Super J Cup was very much um, sort of a launching point for my interests. Um, I was a big WWF kid growing up, obviously, yeah. uh, like like I think most people from that generation or even now, you know. And uh, but, you know, at the time, it just felt like an unattainable <laughs> sort of goal because, you know, we didn't really have the Internet like we do now and stuff. So, That's it. yeah. So, you know, I I, uh, I was. I was very much roped into the uh, WCW cruiserweights and uh, I knew that most of them had sort of come through new Japan. And so it became my goal. And so, you know, to be part of the 30th and then obviously the, uh, the, the big anniversary was recently too, just of the, of the company just this past mm-hmm. year. So to, to kind of be back for these big, you know, milestone numbers was, was pretty great. Now, this isn't your first time in the, in the Super Juniors. Um, how do you prepare for something so grueling? And I mean both physically and mentally. There must be a lot of pressure going to something so prestigious as an event like this. Well, you know, now it's sort of, uh, there's a different <laughs> element to it because I'm, I'm an, uh, a more experienced performer. So right. I've, I've always been the young guy in the room. I started this way, way back when I was 13. So for so long, I was the young guy in the room, even if I had a lot of experience, there's there after a short amount of time, I became one of the most experienced guys in the room, but just, I was the youngest voice. So not a lot was expected of me. So right. I, there was a, <laughs> there was probably a sweet spot where I was, uh, had this like veteran level of experience, but I, I wasn't expected. So you know, I could do whatever I wanted and I didn't feel like there was anything on me, but now, you know, I'm expected to sort of be a leader in the locker room, a leader on the tour, a leader in the bus. And, and, uh, 
Uh, I guess now I, I sort of know what the Undertaker felt like for for so many years, where they're like, <laughs> "You're you're kind of a guy that we got to look at for certain things," and and now that's a whole new level of of things added to me on top of being you know a performer because I'm not exactly like of advanced age or anything yet. So well, that's what, that's uh, what I was just thinking. You're already saying, <laughs> and I, and I get the 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 comparison to the Undertaker. You're not even forty years old though. Yeah, like that's you know, ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, I want to obviously, I want to make it clear, like I don't, I don't fancy myself like the Undertaker in any way. No, no, but no. I guess I know just the, saying, the loose, yeah, the loose example of being sort of one of the top checkpoints in a locker room is is yeah. new to me. And but yeah, and I'm, I'm but and that usually happens when a guy is sort of past a certain point um with their career but like i'm still where i'm at so being sort of like in prime years it's it 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 can be a lot i guess but you know it's it's good the hard the hard thing i think now is that like you know i just got off of a a tour that was every single day i don't think we had a day off the whole tour uh, except for the second to last day we had one day off before the final show and that's that's sort of rare every now and then you'll get a few days sprinkled off sprinkled in every now and then a few off days but um but this last tour i was on was really tough i came home for just a few days had a couple shows in la and now i go back and now it's another almost everyday tour uh and they're all singles matches so it's hard to sort of (laughs) stack those together um and then you know i'll be there uh pretty much all the way up until the g1 starts so i have even more stuff after the tournament so it's it's you know you got to pace yourself mentally oh 100% I get that um now through this interview I'm going to be dropping uh name dropping a few guys on the scene to get your take and uh and I just really want to know how you feel about certain people that you may fight face later on especially in this tournament and that's where I'm going to start um we are I am a very proud Canadian we're coming out of Toronto Canada right now with you and I got to talk about a fellow Canadian who you might face in this tournament. Is Speedball Mike Bailey on your radar? And what's your thoughts on maybe facing him later on in the uh, Super Juniors? Yeah, I, um, I I was really happy to see him get announced. He actually told me ahead of time before we crossed paths in a locker room somewhere recently. And uh, he let me know that he was he was uh, on board on the list. And, uh, and I was really happy to hear it because, you know, there was a period of time where it felt like the greater wrestling world was sort of robbed of his performances, you know, Agreed. Um, yeah. because of all, all the, uh, the intangibles about his travel. Um, yeah. So now that, now that he's sort of kind of re-exploding onto the scene and I had, I had run into him in England, you know, a couple of years back and, and was just happy to see him. He, he's a, he's a great guy. He's incredibly talented. I'm really excited for people to, to get to see him. Um, and now that he's like also, full-time with impact it's great because yeah. people will get introduced to him and they have an immediate platform to to sort of find them if they if they really dig his stuff which i'm sure they will um i am looking forward to getting back in the ring with him he knocked me out the first time we wrestled uh like, we, like, we, like legit like legit yeah like shoot yeah. yeah wow yeah knocked me out cold um yeah i didn't he smoked me with a kick i didn't see it coming and um and uh you know we we got through it was in new york i think for evolve uh if i remember correctly he was he was uh, a lot newer and younger at the time and it, it wasn't 
not that it matters. It was, it was just not the, not the version of Mike that you're getting now exactly, but it didn't, I mean, he was really good back then. So, but yeah. I guess that might, that might be interpreted kind of wrong. He was incredibly yeah. talented then. Um, and now he's, 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 he's just as good. He's incredible. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. It was a funny story. We, we laugh about that often. Um, that uh <laughs> he he put me to sleep the first time we were that that's that's really funny and and somehow not surprising because those kicks are vicious man i've said that a thousand no, I times uh, i i've been lucky being canadian we've been spoiled because when he couldn't leave the country we just got a lot of them so i got to see him on shows all the time and i i, I the uh, gcw just had their canadian prepare not long ago and i was ringside for him versus masha slamovich and just yeah. seeing the, just seeing those kicks in person i feel like i get might get knocked out i can't imagine being on the other <laughs> end of it like you that, that's insane to me man um, I'm going to stick talking to Cam. We're going to leave the tournament for a minute. We're going to stick talking about my home country, Canada, because my co-host Tyler, he will murder me if I don't bring this up. Um, he really wants me to ask you about the first time he got to see you live. Uh, cause okay. this is a very, spe- I wasn't there, but this was a very special match that he got to witness. I want to see if you have any memories of it. We're going all the way back to 2007 in Mississauga, Ontario. You were still wrestling. Match as Puma. You're going to ask about, yeah, you were wrestling as Puma. <laughs> Uh, teaming up a Jushin Liger against Ultimo Dragon and a very young Okada. Do, do you have yeah. any memories of this match? Like this is, yeah. this is legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Um, uh, I remember the match. I remember at the time uh, as Puma in New Japan. There was a uh, there was a unit called uh, CTU Control Terrorism Unit. I think was the acronym. I guess, but. Uh, what was that from? Uh, it's a, it's, I don't think it was a direct reference, but I guess there was also, what was it on 24, the TV show or something like that? Oh, okay. um, anyway, there was, there was this, there was a, a group and, and essentially it was sort of like the gap between team 2000 and bullet club. So for longer time, new Japan fans, uh, there was basically an offshoot of the NWO in new Japan, because obviously you know, NWO was such a big thing. Uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s and stuff around that era and uh team 2000 was sort of like nwo japan and um eventually that disbanded and then there and later on you had bullet club but between the two there was an all black and gold faction called ctu and and i was in it with liger and gato and a lot of other guys and um and uh so that was why liger and i were a team at that time because we were part of the same team in in japan and then and yeah ultimo dragon is somebody i had i had known before and over the years i've worked with him you know a couple times been in the ring with him and uh and he's he's a big hero of mine uh you know he's also sort of you said you came up with the WW uh cruiserweights right so yeah this this must be a big deal for you getting in the ring with this guy yeah no, of course, uh, and Liger as well, especially with Ultimate Dragon, and and it's sort of a a, a two for for him because he's he's a big uh, Sayama guy. He was a big original Tiger Mask guy, and so am I. Tiger Mask was like like one of my primary heroes, uh, right. and uh, and then you know Okada. He I mean wasn't Okada yet, but he was uh, he was this incredibly talented guy that that you know from day one everybody sort of knew that someday he was going to be this huge superstar. So it was really a 
a cool experience to to be uh to be scheduled in that match um and <laughs> this was one of the occasions where i started to like i guess what i mentioned before like a point where i'm super young and i'm in there with two literal living legends yeah. and and a lot of responsibility because my experience level is being put on my shoulders to sort of help guide and lead this match and i remember thinking that was one of, that was one of the earlier experiences where it's like you're in there with literally the best guys in the world and they're looking at you like on equal ground like so i that was i remember that maybe more than anything that it was like all right this is sort of <laughs> even though i'm in my early 20s and and all that it's just i had an experience level both in years and and uh miles traveled that i was beginning to be uh shouldered with that sort of responsibility and uh changed my perspective on a lot of stuff and helped me learn you know being in there and, and being expected from guys like that so uh but yeah it was an amazing experience you never you don't get to see liger versus ultimo dragon every day no. <laughs> and let alone on North American soil. So I thought that that's pretty cool. It's sort of a, a historical moment for international wrestling. You never get to see that. And to me, like, I, I'm very envious of Tyler. He brags about this, being able to see this match all the time to me because he knows I wasn't there. So uh, I, I'm very jealous because this kind of match, it's so cool because to say, hey, in 2007, I got to see Li Liger and Ultimo Dragon. But then, you know, 15 years later, you still get to say, Oh shit, that was TJ Perkins and that was Okada. Because <laughs> because you, you didn't know it then. You didn't know what you were looking at then. You didn't know you're looking at two of the greatest wrestlers that you're going to see later on. That's got to be really cool for you to see how far you and Okada have come kind of in the same span, right? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, and, and in my case, I mean, more more so for, for Okada. I mean, he became the rainmaker. He's going to go down as, as uh, you know, like... I, I guess you probably at this point already be able to say he's, he's almost like this generation's Inoki. I mean, he's really leading the, he's the face of Japanese oh, wrestling. That. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's incredible how, how, how far he's come. A hundred percent. And, uh, but don't, don't sell yourself short, man. Don't be too <laughs> humble because we, this, this, you know, I, we've done a lot of interviews this year. We've, uh, we've interviewed a lot of really cool people, man. And I, uh, I, I, I had a family and I marked out when I got the email back from you saying that, Hey man, let's do this because this is like, don't sell yourself short at all because you are without a doubt in my mind, one of the greatest wrestlers of the last 20 years, because you know, everybody, everybody thinks, and we're going to get to this in a little bit. If you're not in WWE, a lot of people just don't, don't know who you are. <laughs> people know who yeah. you are, man. You, you don't have to be in WWE for people to know who you are, which, which, which is, I think, a big, big step. And I'm not just talking about that mask behind you at suicide. Uh, they know you for a lot, <laughs> a lot more than just that. Um, speaking, of you, speaking of your work, let's go back to Japan for a minute. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, like I said, you have a lot of history there. I mentioned in the intro uh, that you were the youngest man ever to wrestle in NGPW. Uh, you were what, like 17 the first time you got in? There's actually been... There's actually been a handful, not a lot, but a handful of guys that have been a little younger. I think, uh, let's see, Funaki was maybe 15 when he debuted. He was like a, kind of like a, a shoot box type wrestler. Um, uh, Nakajima, who actually I was going to mention earlier, is a good comparison for like people that don't know what to expect from, from Mike Bailey. Nakajima is like a 
slightly less athletic um mike bailey um another like mma uh background wrestler and he he came in and and did his first match in new japan maybe around 17 something like that 16 17. um i started in the dojo when i was 17. uh okay. they started me in the la version um <laughs> i guess legally they couldn't <laughs> import me over uh but yeah <laughs> as soon as soon as i turned 18 I graduated over the summer and I was already in the dojo and then I, my birthday is up September. So when I, as soon as I turned 18, they processed a visa and a tour contract for me and sent me to the dojo. And I debuted, uh, shortly after my 18th birthday. So it is likely, I think an age record for Gaijin that probably won't be broken because they, they really squeezed me in very quickly <laughs> after my 18th birthday. So <laughs> you'd have, you, you'd have to beat me by like seven days basically um, yeah. in order to do it. Uh, and then, and then a few months later I was, I was in the Tokyo Dome, I think, cause October was my first tour. We actually had a Tokyo Dome three shows into my tour. I just didn't perform on it. Um, I was a second for the other guys for, American Dragon and Rocky and the older guys from LA Dojo that that weren't um, Young Lions. Um, and then in May, we had another one. At that time, we had three Tokyo Domes a year. Um, now it's just January, but it used to be January, May, and October. So May, you know, a few months later, I was 18 and, and I had my first match at the Tokyo Dome. So the youngest gaijin in New Japan and youngest gaijin for the Tokyo Dome might be might be really, really long-term um, uh, uh, records that, that may not be broken. I would assume as much. That's crazy to me because I know what I was doing at, at the age of 17. I'm not mature enough to go out to Japan and be doing this stuff. <laughs> like you, I mean, like, I, hope, like, I, hope somebody, I hope somebody comes along and breaks it. I, I thought maybe, you know, like Nick Wayne could do it. He might have been a yeah. guest that they invited yeah. for Super Juniors and, and or something like that. Um you know, but eventually there'll be got more guys like that that come along, I'm sure. Um, and yeah. I hope I hope to see somebody be able to do that sort of thing as well, because it was an incredible experience for me. I'm sure. Uh, speaking of incredible experiences, let's jump over to a very different company than New Japan for a minute. For our listeners who don't pay attention to New Japan and may not be invested in the Super Juniors, I'm sure they were invested in a very different tournament you were part of. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Cruiserweight Classic for a minute. Um, okay, when, yes. did you, when did you hear of the idea you're getting involved in this tournament and uh, what was your first thoughts uh let's see they were putting it together a few months prior to it and um i had gotten a call from william regal i'd known him a little while uh just through wwe scouting and just coming in for uh, dark matches and different things over the years. Um, and, uh, he had reached out to me to ask about my interests. And he also reached out to ask, uh, if <laughs> I could help him, you know, find guys that, that maybe they overlooked or that they hadn't known about yet. They really wanted to get, you know, the best international guys they could find, uh, you know, that were available of course. And, um, and so it was, it was odd. I was almost like in an administrative sort of helper sort of position at first um but i was happy to do it i was interested in doing it i had no aspirations of wwe at the time i had sort of let that goal go um you know i had already 
been in a WWE ring for different things, dark matches and TV matches and tryouts and things. And that was enough for me. I didn't, you know, being there, seeing the system. And I had been in the developmental before back in 2000, 2000, 2001, around then, uh, UPW, which was the developmental in LA before OVW. Uh, and, the, you know, John Cena, I was in John Cena's class when he was okay. being trained and, and Victoria as well. Um, Miz came through later on, I think. Um, so, you know, I had sort of had my fill of that experience. I didn't think I, you know, I had any <laughs> interest in WWE, but I had the foresight to know that this tournament would be a big thing. It's rare that they, they don't, at that time, they were still very much in the tail end of the, you know, 6'2", 250, like, sort of uh, bias that they had. Yeah. Um and very anti-wrestler bias. And yeah. so it was a big deal that they were going to do this because at the time, you know, other than a couple guys in NXT, you know, like Seth Rollins and, and um, you know, Steen and Generico and, and Finn Balor, like they really didn't have a lot of wrestlers that were representing wrestling in the company. Yeah. So I just thought, okay, this is... At the worst, this can go down as the modern day Super J Cup. Right. Um, it'll be this fresh cruiserweight, you know, junior heavyweight thing that may only happen once. And so far it, it has, you know, it'd be cool if they did it again. But uh, and, uh, and at best, who knows, it could usher in an entire generation that changes their way of thinking, which that ended up being what it was. You know, after that, think, you yeah, saw them, they, they were like, wow, they, these guys are great. The people love it. They built a whole show around it. And then they revamped, you know, almost revamped. NXT. Uh, they kind of did revamp NXT uh, for it and the roster call-ups. They started prioritizing guys. They, they went out and got Austin Aries, they got Roderick Strong, they got Adam Cole, they got Kyle O'Reilly, they got all these guys who are the, the best wrestlers in the world, and uh, they just shut down that bias. You know, Pete Dunn, all these UK guys, like they they shut down their bias and said, you know what, let's go in this direction for a while. And to this day, I think a lot of people consider that that like 2016 to 2019 era to be like one of the best, if not the favorite of their time as fans because it was WWE stopped looking like WWE for a little bit and started becoming this whole new idealistic version of what WWE could be. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, was it always the plan for you to go over in that tournament? Uh, how did you find out, how did you find out you were winning and what was your, uh, what did you take away from that? Well, I never asked those sort of things. Um, right. You know, I don't really care oh. about that. Um, right especially at when I got to, to that age, you know, when I was younger, I didn't care anyway, but as I got older, you know, my, my, my goal has always been to be a good quarterback and a good point guard, you know, like I, I yeah. want the guy I'm opposite of the ring with to go. I want him to wake up tomorrow thinking that was the best match I ever had. And this is the best guy I've ever worked with. And I'm better for it. I want them to then go on to have better matches you know, because of that and to make, and for the office to wake up the next day and say, this story is now better and in a better position for this guy because of that. Like, I want to see that progress in the office and for the guy I worked with. And if I happen to have a good match, great for me, good, yeah. fine. You know, but right. my goal has always been to be that because that's always been what I've been good at. I 
have oddly enough, not oddly, but I guess uh, sort of ironically, like I just have never been good at being my own star. I've always been great at helping other guys get the best version of themselves. So, um, you know, I never asked those questions personally, but I did know as early as I think rounds two, I think. Um, I found it odd, the experience, because I, I sort of came in with a very rebellious uh, sort of attitude, not negative, but like I, uh, you go to a place like WWE as young performers do and, um, and it's like jump how high, you know, that sort right. of thing. And I had always done that when I was younger and you just you eat crap for it. And they, they just, they, you, they don't reward that. Um, and it's not, it's not a knock on their system. That's just how they are, I guess, you know, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just what it is. Uh, but they, they don't really, they don't reward proactivity in the way that they sort of encourage it, which is odd. It's a disconnect, but that's just not how it is. And then you come to find the, the you know, the, there it's very much squeaky wheels, get the oil, that sort of thing. And I, I hate being like that sort of way, but I just sort of came in the door. Like if there's a dress code, I didn't follow it. I wore what I wanted. If there was a, a <laughs> if there was a, a time I was, consistently a little bit late <laughs> that sort of thing and usually those are like you know zero strike offenses like in, right. in that place and i found it odd that they like they didn't care that i didn't follow the dress code if i was late they would for like a meeting or orientation or something they would bring me into a back room and and kind of be like all right don't worry about that we'll catch you up on everything and here's what, here's just what we need you to do for today. And, and I was like, you guys are being so nice to me. This is odd. This is very backwards from, from previous experiences, you know? Um, and, uh, so I, in retrospect, and this is sort of like Monday morning quarterback quarterbacking, but I probably, if I was smarter, I could have guessed they're treating me special for a reason, <laughs> but I didn't think about that at the time, but there were clues even though I didn't ask what I was doing, I just was going to one and done. And I was going to go to Lucha Underground. I didn't really care to be there, right. to be honest. Yeah. And, um, and then after, after each match, you know, with Mac and then with Gargano, it's like the, the entirety of the who's who of the office infrastructure was there waiting for me behind the curtain, Sean and Hunter and Regal, Terry Taylor, Norman Smiley, all the guys that, that are really important to that system were waiting for me and like, is everything okay? Do you need anything? And super complimentary. There was no credit, literally no criticism whatsoever. And I, you know, I, I know I'm good at this, but I don't think I'm that good. Like you can tell me something, but like they were so almost coddling me. And I, I remember thinking, this is not, this is not normal. And, you know, I, I guess it's, you know, again, in retrospect, perhaps if I looked if I really stopped and looked around at the time, it's like, maybe I'm an investment for them. Um, but yeah, then, then at a certain point I was asked who a preferable opponent in the finals would be. And then I, that was after round two. And I knew then that, okay, that I'm this, they want me to do this. Yeah. Um, and it, like, it, it was just weird to me because we, everybody had not yet negotiated you know, with the company. So it was like maybe one more round. They all sat us down, everybody from Ibushi to Sabre to all the way down the line. We all sat together in one big room all together. And they had four different like kind of areas set up, you know, Terry Taylor and, and Hunter and Regal and Matt Bloom were all at different sections, uh, Canyon Seaman. 
And they would call us up one by one to these four sections and privately give us, offer us what they wanted. And I remember very, very vividly sitting there with, with Saber. Zach is an old friend of mine. Right. And he was like, I'm, I'm, I really want to get started with New Japan soon. I'm going to ask them for a year to, to if I could come back in a year and, and talk about this again. Obviously, he never looked back. And I told Zach this kind of the same. I said, you know, Lucha Underground is going to make me an offer. And I really want to do that project. Very unique. Still is unique to me. I love that show. <laughs> it's a shame it's not so going. Um, and I said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to accept the offer. And I didn't at first. So, right. you know, it, it was weird to me that they were so invested in me, even with all these major players still on the table and, and without a commitment from me. Like, I wasn't a sure thing. When I won the tournament, I wasn't under contract. Right. They, they, didn't, they didn't send me a contract until Clash of the Champions. I was already oh, wow. on the main roster. Yeah. So, um yeah, it was it was uh, it was an odd experience, but there were clues the whole time. I just you know I, I've never really been interested in, in that sort of thing, you know. Switching companies once again, uh, you had what we called on this show possibly the best match of the year in two thousand one against our fellow Canadian Josh Alexander in an amazing Iron Man match on Impact. Um, how hard is it working with a guy like that, knowing you're making magic, but in front of an empty arena? It's tough. Um, and I guess depending on your upbringing in the business, it's, it's tough. Uh, or it, it's that kind of depends on how tough it is for a lot of guys. To be honest, I feel like the pandemic era for any of these shows, <laughs> like, I don't think it was as hard as a lot of people might think it would be for, for a lot of guys. Cause a lot of guys in newer generations are not sort of raised to do their stuff in the ring. Right. And so they're going out there with, with, you know, preset calls and things that they want to do. And so I feel like it, it was almost easier to do that. I know a lot of guys have, have sort of admitted since then that it, it was a lot easier. It wasn't as much fun because you don't, I guess, you know, you don't get that energy from the audience, but it was easier to, to do their work. But for somebody like me, that's more old school. It's like, I don't go in with that many things preset. I go in almost with a blank slate because I was always taught the opposite. Like, right. so to not have that element was very different for me. Um, so, you know, that was a little tough. I I've never been an energy guy. Like, uh, I, I, I don't get nervous. I don't get anxious and I don't really get adrenaline. So not having an audience didn't play a factor as far as like, you know, an energy level, like being able to do any of this. I'm, I've always been steady handed, um, regardless. So that, that didn't really bother me at all. Uh, the hardest part was that it was formatted for television that was the hardest part for i mean right. if there's any performers listening to this then you you know especially performers that have gone on to like sort of like the highest levels like you you'll know like that it's hard to do to to perform for tv it's like it's like going from high school or college to the nba and it's like at that point it's not even about basketball like it's it's about managing like a sports television show almost you know because okay. there's so yeah. much other layers to the game and so like 
you know, for an Ironman, you know, if you do 10 minutes in the ring, you might have one commercial break and you have to factor that into your work. So if you're doing 60 plus minutes, and I think we did, I don't know, I'm going to roughly say 65, might be a couple more, a couple less, because I know we went to, yeah, we might have went to, we went to overtime. So it was a little yes. over an hour. Yeah. So that's seven commercial breaks that I had to sort of <laughs> manage while wrestling a very physical guy. I mean, Josh is no joke. I mean, he is, to me, he's, he's, he's the greatest Canadian wrestler I've ever been in the ring with. Um, and I, obviously there's, there's Canadian legends. I just haven't been in the ring with, but I, I'm confident saying that someday when Josh retires, he's for people that have been in the ring with him and watched him, he'll go down close to that same level as a performer, as far as his capabilities. He's, he's very good, very physical, and you definitely feel it when you're wrestling him. So, yeah. which I like, but over the course of an hour, that can be kind of tough. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of fun because you're in there with a buddy, you know, he's the type of guy that we trust each other to, punch each other in the nose man i mean we, we we have that sort of relationship and uh and that was great it was just logistically it was it was a tough night to be a quarterback for them uh jo josh is a good friend of the show we love josh here on counted out um if i had my way if i was if, if i was in uh, scotty's shoes i'd have you and josh at the next multiverse united show however it doesn't look like josh will be ready by then so let's play a little armchair booker here if you could wrestle anybody on that current Impact wrestler uh, uh, roster at Multiverse as, as a representative of New Japan, who are you facing? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I would like to 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 bring Akira with me and, and wrestle the guns. You know, we've we've uh, yeah, we uh, Akira the the New Japan just recently worked out the paperwork for his U.S. visa. That's why he's never come to North America. And um, okay. and so, you know, I'm looking forward to, especially during G1 season, to try to do more international stuff with him. I, 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 not just because the team is really clicking now, but because, you know, a lot of people don't know how good he is. And I, I can't wait for him to be on other platforms and for people to see it. And yeah, over the past year, like our, our run has started to get these internal comparisons to like the young bucks and the machine guns and these classic teams from, you know, the generation prior. And a lot of these teams are still around. So we, we've been hoping to try to get some of these matchups and the guns are definitely on the list. And, and, you know, Sabin and Shelly are two really long time, long-term friend of mine. Like they, I've known them about 20 years. So would love to do that. That I I really really hope there's some people from Impact listening to this because that make that happen, man. That that is that is a that is an Impact fan. Like, I'm a massive Impact fan. That is an Impact fan's wet dream right there. That is that's ridiculous to me. That I could not have expected you to come up with a better match than that. And that wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even think of a tag match. That that, that is ridiculous. Um, while we're talking about your your opinion on people, we're going back to a question from my uh, from my co-host. Um, he 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 begged me to ask you this question. He says that Great O'Con may have one of the wildest social media accounts in all of wrestling. What is a <laughs> night on the town like with him? And do you have any stories you can share? Oh, he's it. 
it, it's very it's it's <laughs> it, it's very much what you would expect from from his uh from his social media accounts um at, after every single show we always have a meeting or a dinner to go to he has so many connections to so many people um you know it seems like every day we have a new meeting with the collaboration whether it's justin davis or our jewelry uh uh partners and or you know other other ones with uh you know i i did i went to um an exhibit with reebok and then you know they 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 worked with us on a few things and they're still working with us on a few things and then you know so many different uh dinners with with people like different celebrities or 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 just notable people and so we're always always going out and it's always <laughs> great okan's grand plans that that lead to it um he's very much if we were the four horsemen he's basically our rick flair like he's he's as real as he seems uh but he's he's great you know i mean he's he's he, he's an amazing guy i love that uh, before we take it home, first of all, thank you so much for your time today. We'll, uh, we want to be respectful. We're going to start wrapping it up, but I have uh, two more questions. Sure. Um, my, we're going to switch promotions one last time. I have a weird question for you, and I hope it's hopefully it's not a touchy subject. But okay. on this show, it's no, it's been talked about with many people. We've had Jimmy Jacobs talk about it. We've had uh, we've had a few other people talk about it on the show with me because I am a massive fan of Wrestling Society X. However, yeah. I've read in the past that maybe you weren't. May I ask uh, why that promotion just wasn't a fit for you? No, I was a big fan of Wrestling Society X. I, a oh, couple people have I, asked me that, and I don't know exact maybe where that came from. Maybe it was a misquote or a misinterpretation. Okay. Um, or, yeah, like, I, I, I thought it was great. That's a lot of the reason why I was really uh, adamant about meeting with and going to lucha underground was because so of similar and a lot of the same guys yeah and, yeah, and a lot yeah. of the people a lot of the people that were on the administrative and production end of both projects um well they were on both projects i guess is what yeah. I, I i was trying yeah. to say so so a lot of those and a lot of those people i knew and and have you know friendships and business relationships with so i you know i i i love both of them i i just for whatever reason Wrestling Society X wasn't a long-term thing for me. I came in for the pilot and like another episode and maybe I wasn't high on their priority lists and maybe they weren't high on mine. I want to say maybe because I was preparing to try and go to WWE at the time. Okay. Something like that. So it was like, it was more of a time division sort of thing. Like, like I just maybe had other stuff other projects that that might have been on my horizon and then likewise for them they had other guys that they're really trying to hone in on um and i was one of them just maybe not not towards the top of the list so that's the only reason why that didn't continue i really loved the project and i really liked uh the aesthetic of it i still do i wish that somebody would produce another <laughs> another show just yeah. like it um yeah but yeah no i loved it See, kids, never trust the dirt sheets. 
Oh man. Uh, <laughs> it makes a guy like me look like an idiot in the end. Um, well, okay. I, I, I'm so happy to hear that. I am so happy to hear that because, because that, like you said, you were probably misquoted or something like that in an article I read. Um, so with those two companies, were you able to form any sort of relationship with Vampiro at all? Yeah, I, I had actually known Vampiro before because when I was uh, a young lion in New Japan, um, my excursion was to Mexico. So I lived in Mexico for a year oh, cool. and worked for CMLL when I was 18. Like two, So right after that Tokyo Dome that I did when I was 18 in 2003, I spent the rest of the year in Mexico. Right. Um, and so I met him there. And uh, I don't think I met him prior because I had also gone over to Tijuana a lot when I was a teenager and, and worked in, in Mexico that way. But I think I first met him then in like 2003. So I had known him and uh, he was actually a big supporter of mine when I came in, you know, for the little bit that I did, uh, even though I didn't stay. And even though I wasn't their top, top priority there, they had plans for me, had we had figured something out because he had alluded to that. He, he would tell me all the time, wait till we see what we have uh, planned for you or these ideas that we have for you uh, once we get further into the, to, to the show. It just never came to pass. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely a character. He's a wild man, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, it, it's always been in a very entertaining way for me as far as like our real life encounters and stuff. And he's always been such a sweetheart to me. So, um, but yeah, uh, uh, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun being able to be around him again for, for that short period. The two Canadians, I always said I was scared. I want to, but I'm scared to interview were Sin Bodie and Vampiro. We got Sin Bodie <laughs> done and that, and that was just as scary as I thought it was going to be. That man, I love him to death, but God, he's weird. And Vampiro, it was the same, the same thing. We haven't gotten that. We're going to get it done one day, I hope. But it's one of those things where it's like intimidating and scary at the same time. Maple, but, uh, Maple Leaf, Maple Leaf, Mar Marilyn Manson, and Maple Leaf, uh, Maple Leaf, um, Rob Zombie. <laughs> there you go. Those two guys, yeah. <laughs> That's a great analogy. We always like to finish off our interviews by asking this very simple question. TJ, if you're going to look back from 1998 when you started this whole journey all the way to 2023, look at your whole career, what's a story or a moment that just makes you sit back and fucking smile? Oh, you know, one of the best things, I mean, there's been a lot of fun stuff. If, if, I, if I had to narrow it down to a few, there's a few that stand out that were pretty great to me. Um, my first raw in Staples Center was pretty pretty great. Um, obviously, being you know being in my hometown, uh, and also there's there's one night where I closed uh, the show in the Anaheim Pond. Uh, Two o five would go on after SmackDown, as people knew for for a period of time, and I was the last match on two o five, so therefore the last match of the night in the building. And I had a buddy of mine that started with me in Southern California. We used to do these dirt shows in the Anaheim marketplace. And we would drive past the pond every night, like in the late nineties, early 2000, like these first few years I was wrestling. And I would tell him every night, like someday we're, we're going to make it there. And, you know, my buddy ended up hanging up his boots a few years later after that. But I, I made it a point to bring him to the pond when I closed the show there. I think it was when I wrestled Pac, one of the times I wrestled Pac on a, on uh, 205 and that was a big deal because it was like you know i went to the iron man match there with brett and sean and that was like you know 
that was like the arena like nearest wow. my house so doing yeah. staples center in the ponds when i was in wwe was a big deal um the first tokyo dome show i did was a big deal i was just a teenager um and uh, the the super j cup when i finally did it in 2019 they did it in america and the third night was in los angeles and i remember thinking man this is great and rocky romero is my oldest friend in wrestling since day literally day one we started at the same place and um i remember uh so we we were opposite teams for the last night of the j cup and i remember thinking man we're in la I'm with my oldest friend in wrestling I beat him that night, which was funny. <laughs> and uh, it's it's like, wow, this is the whole reason I got into wrestling is because of this. And we're doing this show in our hometown. And it was great. But probably the 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 single most thing I would look back on with happiness is the, the CMLL anniversary show we did in 2003. At the end of our time in Mexico, we did the anniversary show. For them, that's like WrestleMania. And uh, Arena Mexico is huge. It's it's my favorite arena in all of wrestling. It's my favorite culture in all of wrestling is is, is Mexico. And um, and we had been he doing all these great matches over the summer. So we had the final match of the series against the team we had been rivals against. Uh, Rocky Romero was my teammate, and um, uh, it was almost like we were like the Hardys Dudleys of CMLL for that year. And. Uh, being there in that arena and just again just a teenager and a kid it was like man i could have i could have retired then and been so happy because it was such an amazing app I'll, I'll never be able to replace that i'll never look at anything as cool as that man that that is such a great story thank you so much for that man um <laughs> guys you have no idea how lucky we are to be talking to this man today he is like an hour out from jumping on a plane back to japan <laughs> And you can see him uh, 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 in the in the uh, uh, Super Juniors tournament. Thank you so much for giving us your time today, TJ. This was a great uh, a great chance to talk to you. We really appreciate it. No, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. And on behalf of Mr. TJ Perkins, we have been counted out.